Alright, straight into it, the slightly anticipated sequel of the Bermuda Triangle. Part 2, the re-sequel. How you doing, Tyron? My back's about to fall off. Sounds good. Um, I'm uh, Brandon, I'm 6 foot 8, uh, slightly dyslexic, and my hobbies include pigeon training and catfishing. <laughs> catfishing is mean, like, if you're not fishing for catfish, you're just fishing for no, cats. No, I don't mean as in on Tinder, I mean like... Fishing for actual cats. Yeah. Like, on, yeah. like you go to the alleys and you just dangle a little fishing rod with a bit of, like, kitty litter on the end of it. Why not? I mean, yeah. I see myself becoming one of those people, like a cat lady. Yeah, just collect all the cats. You gotta catch them all, you know? Mm. Oh, did all you right. see that, um... Mm. There was this fucking NFT game that got announced, and it raised something like $70 million. It was called Pixelmon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the artwork, like the the for each like Pixelmon was like two grand. Oh, like nine mm-hmm. grand a uh, fucking thing. Yeah. And then the artwork came out for it, and it's just like Minecraft. It's so like pixels and shit. Yeah. And yeah, everyone's just laughing at it. And then yeah, yeah, it raised like seventy million dollars or something ridiculous. And now, like, apparently the market crashed on them and no one's buying them. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that guy spent, like, I think it was almost, it was over 500k to virtually live next to Snoop Dogg? Truly? Yeah, like, in some um, metaverse shit, you can buy virtual um, real estate. And this guy spent, like, I think it was from, like, 500 to 750k to be Snoop's neighbor. Are you kidding me? Mm-mm. Biggest cash grab. It's so fucking, like, nutty mm. and unregulated. That is exactly why we need to take advantage of it in some Yes, some exactly. Buy our NFT, the Imperial Credit. Made before NFTs were popular, funnily enough. <laughs> fucking throwback. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Let's get into it. Um, the Devil's Triangle. Well, we'll start. Okay, so... In the previous episode, I should, like, I mean, honestly, if you're here watching part two without watching part one, bit of a, bit of a fucking idiot, right? <laughs> I'll be honest. But, yeah, like, not the sharpest tool in the shed. We pretty much, obviously, went over the um, Bermuda Triangle in, in a lot of detail, but this is just, um, you know, we've got some interesting shit here. It dives into more of the paranormal aspects of the Bermuda Triangle. Mm. Got a little bit of a, a, a historical story for you, which is quite interesting. Um, but today, tonight, we're going to start off with the Devil's Triangle, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. So, obviously, the Bermuda Triangle is often considered to be one of the most dangerous marine regions on planet Earth, globally renowned as like a hotspot for unusual and unexplained activity. Um, the Bermuda Triangle has claimed many lives and vessels amongst amongst its waters. However, there is another place on Earth that's just as paranormal than the Bermuda Triangle. A place with a sinister rep- reputation for claiming the lives of countless people gone without a trace. And that's the Devil Sea, which is in Japan. Mm, as so, you said. Yep, yep. Part one, check it out. But um, often referred to as the Devil's Triangle or the Dragon's Triangle, or the Formosa Triangle, the Pacific Ocean claims to contain this region of water just south of Tokyo. Okay. It garners the name the Dragon's Triangle from a centuries-old Chinese myth. Uh, So, like, according to the myth, they think that dragons live deep beneath the surface of the triangle, and their movement sort of creates waves, whirlpools, and thick fog. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah, that's where they think it. The name comes from, but um, Mano Umi, as the Japanese refer to it, uh, it doesn't have an exact sort of triangular form. But the most popular form of it comes from writer Charles Berlitz in his book, The Bermuda Triangle. Uh-huh, he, I see. Um, so, like the Bermuda Triangle, the Dragon's Triangle in the Western Pacific forms like a general triangle pattern. It follows a line from Western Japan, north of Tokyo, to a point in the Pacific around 145 degrees east. And then it turns west, southwest-ish, past um, the Bonin Islands, 
and then down to the island of Yap. It's a lot to sort of process in your mind, but it yeah, makes I don't a triangle. Know where any of those places are. Yeah. I'm just assuming it's equilateral pretty much triangle. In- <laughs> no isosceles shit. Equilateral. Equilateral gang. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's kind of off the coast of Japan. Some reports state that it's about 110 k's away from Japan's east coast, while others claim that it's located near a Japanese volcano island, roughly 1,200 kilometers from their coast. So the perimeter is pretty much unknown. So the Devil's Triangle is just one of the 12 vile vortices noted around the world, they're called. What does um, that mean? They're kind of, well, they're kind of areas um, on Earth's surface that have like naturally occurring anomalies. It's pretty much due to the planet's natural like electromagnetic fields being stronger in those parts than anywhere else in the world. What do you mean by anomalies? Weird shit be happening. Like backwards waves. <laughs> you say backwards waves, yeah, like that's where you would. Wouldn't find, they just be going forward? Isn't no, like that's where you would find a right-handed screwdriver, a left-handed screwdriver. Is that what you mean by naturally occurring? What What did you say it was? <laughs> naturally occurring anomalies. Yeah, you know what? I think it just means like weird shit happens in those parts. You know, so like a left-handed yeah. axe. Yeah, just left-handed people in general. That's where they. Uh, that's where they come from. <laughs> Fucking weirdos. Get the fuck out of here. Right-hand gang. Right, um, yeah. <laughs> How many gangs we started now? Wait, are you right-handed? Uh, I'm a bit of both. I'm, nah, most, I'm, I'm mainly nah. right-handed. What hand do you write with? Right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. In the in the fifties, the Japanese official deemed that area a danger zone shipping and they sent out a research vessel to investigate like all the disappearances of those ships in the region mm. um it was called the bear with me the kayo maru number five and uh it was sent to the bonan islands near the southern tip of the triangle but uh it was actually lost at sea shortly after and they uh couldn't find that crew of 31 ever again yeah so it's really similar to bermuda where they just, you know. Yeah, it's fucking, see you later. Just like, yeah, well, I need to get out of this, like, kid somehow. <laughs> <laughs> there was this guy I was talking to at my old job, um, used to work at the docks, and he said this one time a guy jumped ship just off um, the harbour mm-hmm. before they docked, and they eventually caught him and asked him like oh why did you just jump off this massive freighter and he's like well i had an affair with this lady at another port yep. and now i've like now she's pregnant and i don't want to tell my wife so i thought i'd just fake my death and like start again fucking intense jesus christ mm. jesus i was like oh my god holy shit so Japanese authorities quarantined the area to ship traffic. Um, so nothing could come in, nothing could come out. Turns out that an underwater volcano exploded just as that research vessel reached the site. Mm. Um, so the water became too hot and it lost its buoyancy and the ship sank suddenly. So the crew pretty much never had a chance to escape the area and it remained quarantined to ship traffic for decades following that sinking. So Charles Berlitz claimed in his book that as many as like 700 people had been consumed by this phenomenon between 1952 and 54. So like two years, fucking 700 people. Yeah, wow. Sure is a lot. Um, It is. It's not a small number. But now that we've got that out the way, this is where it starts to get really interesting. I wanted to... Oh, I went on such a rabbit hole, like <laughs> a deep dive with this part. Um, it's crazy, man. But I'll, I'll start it off. It's got to do with um, Japan's actual history. The Devil's Triangle could potentially be responsible for changing the course of Earth's history as we know it, <laughs> as well as inspiring the word kamikaze. Yeah, right. Um, okay. I'm interested now. I can strap in. Um so it all starts off with um, our mate 
Kublai Khan, as you know him. Kublai Khan. Also, yeah, Kublai. Kublai. Let's call him Kublai Khan. I don't know. I don't, I just write it. I don't read it. Yeah, he was known as Emperor Shizu of Yuan. Yuan. Uh, he was the fifth Kagan emperor of the Mongol Empire, reigning from 1260 to 1294. Okay, yeah, so this was during um, the Mongol invasion of Japan? Yeah, pretty much. Um, this guy is like the grandson of, grandson of Genghis Khan. Yeah, he's in Ghost of Tsushima. I'm pretty sure he's the main boss. You serious? Yeah. He's a pretty fucking crazy guy, but... um. He was like 12 years of age when he had to succeed his old, older brother. Yeah, right. Yeah, crazy. But um, so this guy, I'll just give you a bit of backstory on him. He had succeeded in building a powerful empire complete with like academies, offices, trade ports and canals. And um, the records at that time stated that 12,166 public schools were created under his reign. Uh, yeah, so he did some pretty cool shit, but, um, he had a pretty impressive achievement, which was domination over much of Eurasia, and he'd successfully conquered China, as well as securing vassal status in Vietnam, Burma, and Champa. Yeah, well, I know the Mongol Empire at one point went from, like, Korea to the Middle East. I don't know if it got much further to, like, um... What would be now? Fuck! What country is Jerusalem in? Um, Israel. Yeah, I don't think it got that far, but it got pretty close. Yeah, man, the Mongols were nutty. Yeah, they had like all of Russia, all of China. Most yeah, of Korea, like, like pretty much all of Korea. They they couldn't get Japan. They had um, not Egypt. They didn't get that far. I know they got to like the Middle East. I don't know much about the whole mongol empire but what i do know is that was so like dominatory mm. yeah but um Smash so like after their Smash. submission of korea um their kingdom of Goryeo, the kublai sent his sights on the japanese archipelago mm. these invasions are referred to in many works as like the earliest events in which the word kamikaze is widely used by the way Kamikaze means divine wind, just to let you know. But in 1266, Kublai Khan dispatched emissaries to Japan, demanding them to become a vassal as well as send tribute, but ultimately they declined. Kublai Khan dispatched his messengers over the next six years, but the Japanese shogun refused to let them even land on Honshu, which was their, main, their major island. So Kublai would initiate his invasion of Japan from Korea in 1274 with the invasion of Tsushima. Japanese sources at the time indicate they were outnumbered like 10 to 1 by the invading Mongols. Mm. Total fucking domination, just... Yeah, like they had no chance. Numbers. Mm. Sheer numbers. So... The samurai army set out to fight in accordance to their code. Like, I think it's called the Code of Bushido, right? Yeah, um, well, yeah. I don't know, man. Nowadays, it's like the... Like, um, uh, alpha male fucking guide. <laughs> what, the bro code? Yeah, like, <laughs> you want to dominate, fucking follow Bushido. <laughs> I did Japanese for four years at high school. Yeah. And I remember a single word of it. No, neither. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so they would, they were involved, um, in this invasion and that pretty much involves the warrior stepping out, mm. announcing their name and lineage and preparing to fight in a one-on-one -on -one combat. Mm. However, the Mongolians, like, they took no respect to it, and they just swarmed the samurai en masse and completely killed them. Yeah. They just did not respect well, it. Well, um, in, in Ghost of Tsushima, that's, like, what I learned, like, some of this from. And it's not obviously completely historically accurate. It's a video game. Yeah. But um, what happened is that, like, what you're saying happened. They One guy comes out and announces his... Um, like family, 
and the Khan at the time who lands on the beach throws, uh, sets him on fire. <laughs> Shit. Oh, the Mongols in that game too. Yeah. Yeah, the game okay. is about the Mongol invasion of Tsushima. Right. Um, so, you know, his invasion would pretty much go on to absolutely devastate Japanese resources and power in the region, almost destroying the samurai culture in Japan indefinitely. Mm. So, uh, sailors on board the Mongols' ship at the time had persuaded the Mongolian generals to head further out to sea, as they worried the strong winds and high surf potentially would ground their ships in Hakata Bay. So, they took their ships out further into the open waters, directly into the arms of a typhoon. And two days later, a third of Khan's ships were sunk to the bottom of the ocean, and Jesus he lost like 13,000 soldiers. Far out. Yeah. He'd pretty much just, at that point, fucking retreat home. He dwelled in his misfortune and everything. Still, and um, yeah, he got started on his second point, invasion. Eh? What's that? You kind of just have to take your losses at that point, eh? Hey? Pretty depressing. Especially if you're winning. Upset. Yeah, he would have won, but um, yeah. yeah, he pretty much just, you know, sat at home plotting his return. He's like, fucking typhoon, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, so, only nature so, can stop me. <laughs> he, um, he retaliated with more force than his previous invasion this time. <laughs> the Mongols sent two different forces, one set sail from Masan with 900 ships carrying 40,000 Korean, Chinese, and Mongol troops, while the other set sail from southern China with roughly like 3,500 ships, 100,000 troops, crazy numbers, and the strategy devised by the Ministry of Conquering Japan. <laughs> they had that, the Ministry of Conquering <laughs> Japan. Yeah, they intended for it. <laughs> A massive yeah. coordinated attack. I think so. that's a, like a misconception about the Mongols sometimes. This is delve more into history more and more as we go, but like, um, they weren't like, um, like barbarians. Yeah, they were really organized. Yeah. They were like really sophisticated. Yeah, well, old mate built like a hundred, yeah. what, a thousand schools, hundred thousand yeah. schools or something. Like they were, they were not like just fucking savages. Well, they were savages, but they weren't like, yeah, as you said, barbarians. They don't they say like. A decent population of people are related to Genghis Khan. Yeah, if you come from, like, uh, Central Europe, there's a good chance apparently you can be related to him, according to BuzzFeed, probably. Oh, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) Just as bad as reliable as we are. Yeah, yeah. Don't get your your information from us. Just listen to us. Yeah, so the samurai... um, they were pretty much on the verge of being overrun and massacred. Obviously, mm. they fought with like tremendous valor, despite having little chance of survival and no idea of reward if they succeeded. Mm. They just fought, but on August fifteenth, twelve eighty one, a miraculous event took place that would change the course of history indefinitely. I'll reel you in with that line there. I wrote that. That was good. Just as the Japanese were facing defeat. A second typhoon would devastate Mongolian forces. <laughs> Described as Divine Wind or Kamikaze, Khan's fleet of 4,400 ships would be reduced to only a couple hundred. What? With the re- yeah. With the remaining forces that made it to shore being hunted down and slaughtered without mercy. <laughs> the, d- the Japanese guys would have just been 100% just, oh, you won. Went to the yeah, sky well, and like, oh, you <laughs> They thought the storms were sent by their gods. Yeah, well, to keep Japan safe. It probably would have been. Yeah, that doesn't. That, it, that's a massive coincidence. They called it divine winds or kamikaze. But yeah, even um, Kublai Khan appeared to agree that Japan was protected by supernatural forces, and that pretty much just took away his inspiration to capture them. You know, he was like, oh, fuck it. You know, take your L's. There's some other stuff I must have done. Yeah, like, involved. what, 4,500 ships reduced to a couple hundred? Yeah. So he had like I over 100,000 people 
That's yeah, a good yeah. population. That's like 1% of, if it's mostly male, that would be like 1% of all uh, men. Well, so probably. significant. That's a fucking lot of people. But uh, recent scientific investigation found that Kublai's fleet was wiped out before it entered Japanese waters. The invasions, yeah, so it's sort of different to the, like, mythological story that they tell. Yeah. Um, But the invasion centered around Kyushu, the southernmost of Japan's major island, and funnily enough, the western edge of the Devil's Triangle. Ah. Yeah, so this pretty much just happened in the Devil's Triangle. Yeah. um, Which is, it's just crazy. Something of that size, it's just fucking crazy Mm, yeah it's massive so moving on from that the devil sea is it's not just home to like big storms and stuff there's also been like a lot of unusual sightings too pretty much if not more than the bermuda triangle okay yeah so i'll go into this one in the middle of fierce fighting against u.s forces in 1944 A Japanese pilot had an unusual encounter. During an aerial flight, Toshiaki Lang claims to have seen a massive sea monster while traversing the Devil Sea. He claimed the serpent-like beast swam fast through the water while holding its head high. The serpent possessed two massive triangular wings that assisted it in navigating the turbulent seas. Okay. And it it was said to be like a hundred and fifty feet long. Fucking hell. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I know there's like a a Japanese myth about like a giant sea monster. Forty five in... meters. Yeah, is that a hundred and fifty feet? Yeah. I don't know what it is, but apparently that was over the Devil Sea. Pretty cool. Yeah, and a woman piloting a ship close to them was allegedly seen by sailors aboard a ship cruising in the Dragon Sea. The ship on which the strange woman was sailing was a typical Japanese incense burner. No one could figure out where that lady and her incense incense burner ship came from, and sailors would continue to keep passing it and seeing it for years. Now, a traditional Japanese incense burner is like... Like a like a dinghy, like a small, super small fishing boat, like a two person fishing boat. Yep. And for some reason, that's like out in the open sea. Yeah, right. Yeah, like first of all, probably wouldn't be able to withstand that, and second of all, it's sort of like this ghost lady. I don't know, but yeah, I thought that was a bit weird. Yeah, that is weird. Ah, Bermuda, a tropical paradise home to some of the most beautiful locations the Earth has to offer, like the Bermuda Triangle. Have you ever wanted to escape the busy day-to-day hustle and bustle of life for a place even more chaotic and life-threatening? Look no further than the world's number one tourist destination, brought to you by the Transdimensional Cruise Ship Company. Explore untouched regions and dimensions aboard our new cruise liners and make sure to catch the remnants of Flight 19 aboard your journey. Finish off every night with spectacular views of disintegrating planes falling from the sky, just like your own personal fireworks show. And stay for longer with time warps that allow you to cruise with us for an extended amount of time. And make sure to watch out for those funny aliens as they've been known to snatch up cruisers for a little extra spice on their cruise. Reserve now for a bonus deep sea crack and spotting tour, only available while stocks last. The Transdimensional Travel Agency. Go where no man has gone before. Hey you! Are you tired? Wake the fuck up and grab a hold of an ice-cold Bigfoot Blast, the newest energy drink from Bigfoot Beverages. Packed with locally sourced Sasquatch blood and elf tears, forget about sleeping, you'll never have to do it again! Once you pop, you will not stop. Bigfoot Blast gives you uncomfortable amounts of energy for up to 36 hours! 10 times the strength of pure cocaine, Bigfoot Blast is packed with many other micronutrients, including caffeine and minotaur testosterone. 
With the natural power of Bigfoot Blast, you can punch through walls, punch through cars, and punch through your ex-wife's new boyfriend's chest and tear his goddamn <laughs> Now available in three new flavors, Bigfoot Blackberry, Mothman Melon, and Orange Flying Seltzer. Available by direct order, cash deposit only. Start your day with a Bigfoot Blast and it'll never end. Thank you for listening to our sponsors. We we hope you enjoyed them. Yeah. Oh, also, um, yeah, oh, because I got remember I was telling you about my speeding fine. I got Waze, you know that app Waze. Yeah, yeah, and it tells you like where all the speeding cameras and stuff are. Whatever. What's cool about it is now I have like fucking Master Chief as my directional <laughs> voice. <laughs> yeah, it was either that or Christina Aguilera. I think you picked the right one. I think I picked the right one. That show looks good, though. Have you were you big into Halo? I was massive on Halo too. Yeah, that was a never good really one. paid. I'd never really played much past three. Oh, I had Reach. Three was Reach was the other one I played. I stopped playing at Reach because I got a PlayStation. I um I played ODST. I played that whole game in the dark because I didn't know like part of the game was to turn on your flashlight. I didn't know that was a feature. <laughs> I was just sort of like walking around in pitch black darkness. <laughs> I always yeah. wanted to play it, but I couldn't. Mum would never buy it for me. <laughs> I remember going to this like dodgy place at the market where they sold like, um, like dodgy games, mm. and I wanted these really violent games. I was probably ten at the time, and the lady that sold them was like, "Nah, you probably shouldn't get that for him. There's a lot of violence in it." And I remember being so upset. I think it was like Grand Theft Auto Five, and I was like so upset. I started crying because they wouldn't let me play it. Remember, Mum bought me God of War Three Two, not knowing what it was about. Oh yeah. And then she walked in on me playing it once. And she's like, "Are you fucking kidding me right now?" I was like eight, just in having the hell time, ripping God's heads off. Yeah, Mum had to hide Grand Theft Auto San Andreas from me. <laughs> so I was just like. Picking up prostitutes and driving them off cliffs and shit. <laughs> it's probably, looking back, probably not the best educational experience for a little 10-year-old. No, you need to have it, though. Yeah, Wouldn't but, trade you know, it for anything else. Rite of passage. Um, where were we? Right, so, yeah, well, we're getting deep now. We're getting into the good shit. Okay. You know what we're going to do? Take a guess what our next topic's going to be. I had to make a guess. Aliens. Close starts with an A, but it's Atlantis. Adla oh, <laughs> fucking party town for all the um, extraterrestrial folk. Pretty much. I'm pretty sure um, that's where all cryptids go and have parties. Well. It's like their, their backdoor rave. Like, it's a, uh, somehow Bigfoot gets on a little canoe, just goes out to Atlantis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Guess Loch Ness is there. Ed Kemper. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a theory that the source of the Bermuda Triangle stem... We're back to the Bermuda Triangle, by the way. Mm -hmm. But there's a theory that the source of the Bermuda Triangle stems from Atlantis. So let's reel it back a little bit to our boy, Charles Berlitz, the, the fucking the G mm -hmm. in all of this. Again, author of many popular books on the subject of paranormal, he suggests that not only is Atlantis, like, real, but it's also the source of all these mysterious disappearances. Makes sense. Now, in his book, a suggestion made by a guy called Edgar Case, who was also called the Sleeping Prophet. Um, I don't know why. It's a cool nickname, <laughs> he, though. Yeah. He was a psychic and healer. So, yes, you know. It was. He's dead now, but he died oh, okay. in 1944. <laughs> yeah, no, a little he, while ago. <laughs> he claimed that the ancient Atlanteans used crystals as power sources, specifically located in like the Bimini <laughs> Island area yeah, where most of these disappearances have taken place. Yeah, right. Get your placebo yeah, rocks. 
<laughs> yeah, in <laughs> using fucking quartz. In his description, a maverick power source sunk a mile deep in the ocean would still be radiating its power, and therefore it would pretty much like affect and mess with all the electronics and equipment of those flying over or sailing over. Yeah, so the survivors of Bermuda Triangle claim to have had their vessels swept up underneath them and dragged to the bottom of the ocean. They desperately... Actually, yeah. Okay, hold on. Whoops. Survivors of the Bermuda Triangle claim to have had their vessels sort of like swept up underneath them and dragged to the bottom of the ocean as they sort of desperately try and swim out. And those instances have been described as whirlpools. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he he also, Case, also explained on these power sources that they were employed for the same uses that we enjoy today, and he describes them as generators producing power to propel air and underwater craft, as well as, like, creating light, heating, communication, and TV signals. As Um, you normally would. But they were also able to rejuvenate living tissue. Yeah, okay, that's cool. However, throughout their misuse, the Atlanteans eventually, like, unleashed uncontrollable forces which led to their destruction, according to Case. Okay. Pretty crazy shit, like fucking power crystals, kyber crystals um, under the ocean. This could be a movie. Could be. Uh, We'll get onto it. (laughs) Get James Cameron! Yeah. Yeah, Stonk Productions. Third time we've mentioned him. Interesting so, guy. <laughs> I guess. Uh, this pretty much also supports the claim that under the Bahama Plateau, discoveries of underwater remains have been ma- uh, like made. Okay. And um, many of these are at a depth of only a few fathoms. I don't know how deep a fathom is, but I'm sure up. the way they describe it, it's... Uh, very shallow. So, uh, the submerged limestone formations of the Bahama Banks were largely above water like 12,000 years ago. Um, but it's obviously now underwater and it's said to contain bays and inland waterways, sort of like a city. And they're now evident on depth maps and deep parts of the oceans, cutting in and around those Bahama Banks. Also, other underwater discoveries, especially near Bimini, include like massive stonework and what people claim to be roads. It's a really famous um, discovery called the Bimini Road. I don't know if you've heard about it. No, I haven't. I'll have a look at it. Yeah. It's like a weird structure under the water that looks like roads that people could have used. Um, yeah, okay. that that's to, cool. Like, that's really cool. It? Yeah. Also... Large pyramid-like structures have also been noted in the Bimini area, with one measuring 180 by 140 feet, and that's only estimated to be the peak of it. I know there's yeah. um that underwater-like pyramid in Japan as well. Dude, I swear to God. Again, I went down a rabbit hole on like TikTok. <laughs> All the pyramids lined up along the equator of the Earth, apparently. Like yeah. a really weird pattern. I don't know. Uh, so, um, also, a fathom is six feet. Six feet. We're pretty shallow. Oh, that's really shallow, yeah. yeah. Okay, we're moving on a bit to additional theories concerning anti-gravity warps have been brought to attention. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so as we progress, we're getting deeper and deeper into the weird tinfoil shit, okay? So... Um, specifically laws of gravity and normal magnetic attraction not functioning properly. They say that there's evidence that points to the existence of these gravitational particles of matter that could have possibly arrived from space and like become embedded under the Earth's crust years and years ago. And that pretty much could mention, explain the whirlpools and electronic interference, you know? Yep. I don't know about that. That seems absolutely crazy. Yeah. Anti-gravitational particles, but who knows? Um, see, the Charles, thing with all this stuff... Yeah. 
is, is as much as all that shit insane as it sounds, you can't prove it wrong. You can't prove it wrong. You can you really. Can't. You can get close to. You can say all the things that it could possibly be, but there's no definitive proof of going. Yeah, nah, that definitely didn't happen. I think that's what gets people like interested in it. Like, there's no definitive. Um, yeah, it can literally be whatever you want it to be. I could yeah. say right now that these pyramids and all this is because of some big dude named Gary that lives in the fucking bottom of the ocean just doesn't like people swimming in his pool. Yeah. No one can prove me wrong. Out. You can, like, like, everyone can say, oh, we can't find him. We would pick that up with sound, but you're like, yeah, but what if you don't? Or a throwback to Bermuda Par 1, Dave with his javelin launcher. <laughs> um, but as, as we move on, Charles continues in his book to note about historical fish with he describes them as having residual limbs and being very much alive in the Indian Ocean and he recounts detailed stories from quote reliable observers claiming to have seen a so-called sea serpent um it says that on several occasions these creatures have been observed by hundreds of witnesses as they approach beaches and harbors he also theorizes the possibility of giant squid or kraken living in the Bermuda Triangle. And like we talked about in episode one, those whale suction marks, I think you mentioned. Mm. Yeah, like they'd wrap around the whale and what, what did you say they were? Oh, like, um, so if I, I need to remember it well, but I vaguely remember octopus, like giant squid have, um, these little barbs on the end of their tentacles or like where their um, little suction cups are. So when they'd wrap yeah. around, they'd leave all these little scratches everywhere. Yeah. Right. So it's theorized that, um, we, if you watch, go watch, go back and watch part one because it describes it a lot more in detail than I can remember. But the giant squid and a sperm whale did not like each other. Like they, they, they punched on a couple times quite often, apparently. And they found, was it sperm whales or beluga whales? It was one of the art two. Um, they would find whales with like massive gouges taken out of them because of these barbs that giant squid would have on them. Yeah, it's fucking nutty. Mm. That's a, go back and watch that episode, like Tyron said. It's a good episode. It's actually our most viewed episode at the moment. Yeah, well, it was our first yeah, one too. Interesting. <laughs> um... But yeah, I don't know what you think about that. You reckon sea serpents, Atlantis? I like Atlantis. Uh, I'd like to go. <laughs> yeah, like why wouldn't you want to go? Um, again, you can't prove any of it wrong. <laughs> well, let's get it even more nuttier. Let's We're go done deeper, with Atlantis. Oh. We're almost at the tip of the iceberg. No, we're not. <laughs> fuck, I got it wrong. Flipped it around. <laughs> almost at we're the like, end of the iceberg. We're like three fourths through the iceberg, okay? <laughs> this is what I've labeled as time travel. Okay? Well, yeah, so, I remember talking about this in episode one. Yeah, we touched yeah. on it, but we didn't delve into it. And tonight we're delving into it. But <laughs> the Bermuda Triangle has also been known to create time warps or lapses. An incident involving a time lapse occurred at Miami Airport in Florida. Take that with a grain of salt. Florida is a bit of a weird fucking place. Um, <laughs> a lot of bath salts and face chewing. people eating faces. What? A lot of face chewing. Yeah, people fucking trees, apparently. <laughs> Anyways, a 727 passenger airline that was being watched on radar by air control as it approached landing from the northeast abruptly vanished from the radar screen for about 10 minutes or so. And then after that, it reappeared. Without issue, it managed to land safely. And shortly after that, the air control staff approached the pilots with concern and one of the guys said, man, for 10 minutes, you just did not exist. The crew checked their watches and the different time markers on board the plane at this point. They discovered that they were all 10 minutes behind real time. 
And that's unusual because 20 minutes prior to their disappearance, they made a routine time check and there was no discrepancy, no what? issue with the time that's check. That's weird as. Yeah, um, Charles Berlitz, your boy, describes this in his book as whether or not the Bermuda Triangle could create, they describe them as vortexes where things could drop in or out of another dimension. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, there's other instances of, like, making up time and stuff. Uh, a lesser known instance of time displacement, as they call it, occurred with Bruce Gernard. He was a pilot of a small charter plane that was crossing the Bermuda Triangle. Bruce was an experienced pilot that had flown this specific route many times, and it roughly took him 90 minutes to complete. So they had no concern in completing this flight at all. He'd done it many times, 90 minutes, check your watches, let's do it. But Bruce took off and reached an altitude of a thousand feet when he reported to see a strange dark cloud ahead that apparently kept growing in size. But without issue, Bruce was able to navigate safely through that cloud. So after doing that, at roughly 11,500 feet, he met another cloud of similar description, but much larger, larger than the latter. They had no choice but to fly straight through that cloud. So, yeah, he describes it as a, just a massive dark cloud, almost like a rain cloud. Yeah. Um, but as he flew inside it, he describes that there wasn't any rain, which is obviously unusual if it was a rain cloud yeah. or a storm cloud. And also, it's like pitch black in there, apparently. Okay. So, yeah, so these guys begin, begin to get worried, obviously, and they report to see flashes of white light in the distance. Um, sort of like lightning, I guess. Mm. Yeah. However, due to Gernard's experience, he was certain that it was not lightning. And they would begin to fly for another 30 minutes inside that cloud fearing it was just endless. But as they begun to lose hope, they spotted an exit in the cloud. Flying through the exit of the cloud, their navigational equipment would just skits out and simultaneously malfunction as their plane began to get more and more difficult to control. Thankfully, though, they, like, they made it out safely and just kept continuing their journey. Um, wow. In utter confusion, Bruce grabbed his radio contacted air control so they could get a bearing on like his plane and uh yeah this is where it gets really 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 confusing because bruce's plane wasn't on the radar anymore in fact the dispatcher said the aircraft was already in miami airspace and that that couldn't have been true because they still had another 250 miles to cover before getting into miami airspace now okay yeah, their trip was, like like I said, estimated at 90 minutes, but somehow they were able to complete it in 47. Yeah, right. Yeah, big difference. It's like yeah. almost half. Yeah, the cloud just over solid. Half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, do you have the story? I don't know where I remember watching this. I'm like backdoor YouTube. Bermuda Triangle documentary that I watched when I was like 14 going, oh, I'm so smart. <laughs> there was this story of this guy that um, did, as you said, he flew through like a cloud and where he was, there was land all around. I'm trying to remember, I might be making this entire thing up, but I'm just remembering what I can remember. Yeah. And he described seeing like dinosaurs flying around him and shit. Um, and he came out of the cloud and then he was normal again or he came out of something that was normal again. Look, mate, I think I'll be honest with you. I didn't see that anywhere. Yeah, no, I might just be making it up. <laughs> but as of, that, yeah. as like probably most of these stories, especially in the next category we'll talk about, <laughs> probably along the same lines of truthfulness, you know? <laughs> yeah. But um, based on that model of plane that Bruce was flying, its max speed was 180 miles per hour. So that's physically impossible for them yeah. to cover that distance. Yeah. 
just based on math. And additionally, on inspection, that plane hadn't gone through the amount of fuel that it should have based on their journey. So I don't know. Neither. I don't know. Yeah. But that's pretty much it for time warps. It's it's really interesting. Some people think it's just simply time warps, but others think maybe it's portals to another dimension. Yeah. And planes could be popping in and out of dimensions, which is even fucking freakier, in mm. my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's it for time warps. You got anything to add to that? No. Any fever dream stories? Any fever dreams? No. No. That's really cool, though. I hope that's true. It's always true, you know? <laughs> Moving on from that, it's our favorite category. Aliens? Always fucking aliens. Yep. <laughs> that's why I left it till last, because uh, it just sums up everything. Yep. Sums up tall tale happy hour. You can't explain it. It was aliens. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, Bermuda Triangle. We all know it from Aliens. I I know it from the final bonus level of Tony Hawk Underground. <laughs> I don't know about you. No, I, didn't, I never played Tony Hawk game. Underground. Yeah, once you finish the story mission, the last level would be like a fun level. You could yeah. just do whatever. It was the Bermuda Triangle. How does that work? I don't know, you'd skate around like aliens and shit. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. That was such a good game. Oh, such a good game. Um, but moving on, tons of people, as you could imagine, have reported UFOs in the Florida Bahama region. Obviously, like, people have probably reported some just to get that five minutes of fame, mm. you know? Um, but... They've often claimed to see them underwater or in the skies, as well as making the transition from sky to sea. And people think that this might have something to do with the disappearances in the Bermuda Triangle, or rather that UFOs have been hijacking planes and ships for centuries. Yeah, well, you Pretty, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go on. No, you're good. No, I was going to say, you going. mentioned in the first episode, Christopher Columbus said he saw the UFO. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, He saw it come out of the ocean too, mm. into the sky. But yeah, I mean, it's a pretty outlandish theory, hijacking people. Yeah, well, Tyrone's theory kind of puts it all into perspective if you go back to last episode. Um, well, have you, um, have you seen the TikTok video? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the Tic Tac? No, I haven't. Yeah, so these guys were flying off the US Nimitz as like an aircraft carrier. I'm sure we'll do an episode on it. Probably do a bonus on it actually on Patreon. Um, And they saw this sort of Tic Tac shaped object come up from the ocean and zoom away or whatever and follow them for a little bit. Okay. So there's a whole thing to it. It's like a, they've caught it on camera. No one knows what it is. Fucking crazy, but yeah, I'm yeah. sure we'll do an episode on it. Anyways, Air Force veteran John Spencer, who's like a research and UFO researcher and a member of NICAP. Now, for those of you that don't know, NICAP is the National Investigation Committee on Aerial Phenomena. They're a bit of a shitty org organization. Yeah, anyways, the, the Loch Ness Investigation Bureau type yeah. thing. <laughs> Well, I was just saying to Tyron that um, I wanted to start a Yowie research organization, <laughs> but apparently someone's always already uh, beat us to it. Well, if we can't oh, well. beat them, we'll join them. <laughs> Any anyways, he became interested in the triangle when the US atomic submarine Scorpion just went missing. Now, I didn't, I didn't look into the atomic submarine going missing, but that's just pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why. Anyways, uh, Spencer thinks after years of study that the only explanation for the disappearances is that they've been carried off from the sea or skies by aliens. Of course. Of course. That's pretty believable. Yeah, 100%. More yeah. believable than any other theory. Now, he's got a quote <laughs> um, in saying, since the complete disappearances of 50, uh, 575 foot vessels in calm seas... 
50 miles offshore or commercial airliners going in for landing. Uh, it cannot happen according to earthly standards, and yet they're still disappearing. I'm forced to conclude that they are being taken away from our planet. Yeah. It's being forced. Um, I mean, I can't come to any other logical conclusion, obviously. It's always aliens. <laughs> Throughout his research, it led him to believe that there are two main types of UFO. <laughs> One would be the flying saucer of about 80 feet in like circumference, with the other one being a tremendous mothership able to carry dozens or more saucers in its interior. Yeah, okay. This guy, this guy, he thinks that the reason for all of these disappearances is that they're like an easy target. So the area's sort of crowded with travelers and it's easy for aliens to get in and out and just avoid land in general. Believable to me. Pretty solid. Pretty solid tactics. Solid theory. Yeah. <laughs> oh, these aliens uh, are smart. Now, the reason for why these, these guys, these aliens want to kidnap us is so that they can preserve an example of Earth as it was before we destroy ourselves. <laughs> what this fucking looks like it. They're legit collecting us, like, because they know we're going to fuck ourselves up. Mm. I can't blame them. Like, no. You're not wrong. No, um, um, yeah. I've, I've just got a couple more stories with aliens. So a report of UFOs off the coast of Cape Kennedy came in on January 10th in the 60s for the oh. aerial phenomenon that it was reported to have zipped into the tracking range during the firing of a Polaris missile. And for 14 minutes, their radar followed the course of the UFO before snapping back to that missile. Um, additionally, in April 73, a sailor claimed to have seen two identical sightings of UFOs under the water of the Gulf Stream. Both sightings were made at about four in the afternoon with smooth seas, normal ground and excellent visibility. Okay. Now, uh, this guy, he claimed to have seen a gray white object, smooth and shaped as he said, like a fat cigar with rounded ends. Much like a Tic Tac, actually. That's just sort of clicked to me. But the object rushed past the bow of his boat underwater, looking to be roughly 150 to 200 feet. Uh, it was said to have been going at least 60 to 70 miles per hour. Now, the sailor said it appeared to be on a collision course with his boat and seemed to be getting ready to break the surface. And um, pretty much just in front of him, it quickly vanished after diving directly under his boat. This was unusual as there was no sign of disruption in the surface of the water, as you'd imagine with something, mm. you know, diving. But um, this was the case of Captain Thomas Mantle, a pilot at Godman Field, Fort Knox. This guy, Mantle, and a few other pilots took their P-51 Mustangs up to the sky after they, like, saw a UFO, a really big UFO, approaching their base. So as Mantle's plane was climbing, witnesses claimed to see it disintegrate completely, and upon discovering the wreckage, it was noted that his plane exploded into so many pieces that nothing larger than the size of a fist was found. Wow. And they also said that all the pieces that they found had almost like small holes just all over it. Well, wow. Yeah, and there's been a couple other um, plane crashes or disintegrations that have had that too. Small little holes all over the wreckage. It's pretty consistent. It's yeah. fucking weird. But that is really yeah, weird. Consistent. There's just another theory that due to the power of the magnetic fields, this would sort of allow aliens to transform and transport matter from one dimension to another. Now, as for the disappearances of planes, this was attributed to rays creating a vacuum, which disintegrated planes when they entered it. So, um, yeah, it's fucking mental, this just guy. Like, but fucking this guy will just make up things to fit his narrative, won't he? As I'm reading this, I'm like, what the fuck have I written? Right. 
this shit. Like, I need. Hold on, I'll get some tin foil. I'll be back. Yeah, you need it, hey. <laughs> Take your shirt um, off. Just go around screaming in a circle. <laughs> I'm telling you now, there's bugs under my skin. <laughs> there's a man in my walls. There's people. I will destroy in my walls. him. <laughs> And that's pretty much it for aliens. Like, I don't know. Is that but is that any more believable to you than Atlantis or time travel? They're all pretty equal. They're pretty outlandish, hey. Mm. So we'll move on a bit. We're done with all the outlandish shit and uh, talk a bit about some more grounded theories. Okay. Uh. So. I thought I'd leave this till last, sort of, so once you've got all the crazy stuff in your head, <laughs> this will make a bit more sense, and it won't ruin the mystery of it. Okay. It, it did a bit for me. It sort of, like, made things, what's the word? Less cool. Yeah, pretty much. But, um, all right, the Gulf Stream. So the Gulf Stream is, like, a large surface current that begins in the Gulf of Mexico and travels across the Straits of Florida into the North Atlantic. It's sort of like a river within an ocean. So, like, yeah. And it can, it does actually carry floating items, just like a river. It travels at a top speed of about two meters per second. And the current can carry a small plane or boat, making a water landing or a boat with engine issues appear further away from its initial position. So, like, when you get these reports of boats just appearing miles away from where they're originally supposed to be, okay. you could sort of pretty much attribute that to the Gulf Stream. Okay. Yeah. Also, super oh, big hurricanes. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I just kind of clicked that the water under it could be, like, helping it move that little bit quicker. Is that what you're trying yeah, to like say? Yeah, like, you know when you um you go out to swim and you can get picked up by a current and just yeah. dragged out to sea? Yeah. It's pretty much that, but just on a bigger scale. And, like, yeah, these okay. boats can get picked up by it and sent out fucking ages away. Yeah. Especially okay. if they've got no crew. I get you. Um, also, hurricanes are a big thing. A lot of hurricanes go through there. Um, and back in the day, ships had little or no warning of hurricanes approaching before they introduced weather satellites. So, I mean, you can imagine that could be a pretty big thing. Yeah, and it kind of makes sense why there's none of the, not many, not as many of these cases nowadays either. Unfortunately, it does make sense, unfortunately. Mm. Also, some of these disappearances have been attributed to the presence of, like, big bubbles under the water, methane hydrates, they call them. Um, they sit on the continental shelves and laboratory trials in Australia have shown that those bubbles can actually sink a scale model ship. It, it lowers the density of the water. And additionally, with the Gulf Stream, if that was to sink or damage the boat, it would also carry it very far away. Wow. So you sort of pair them both up and you can see those big bubbles could fucking destroy a ship. But you're missing out on one key aspect. What's that? Australia doesn't exist. True. I mean, I'm just a paid actor. <laughs> no, I yeah, I'm just paid. I don't know. I'm Pretty shit pay, actually. <laughs> Should be more to lie to everyone about where I live. Help, help. I'm getting kept in a lab right now. <laughs> Save me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but those those methane eruptions could be cause. Oh, they could cause patches of frothy water um, that aren't capable of supplying buoyancy for ships. Yeah, okay. And if that if that were the case, a ship could sink very very quickly and without notice. Yeah, makes sense. But, but yeah, in a nutshell, that's sort of like the natural theories of. Well, explanations almost of what could happen in the Just Bermuda Triangle. What reason why this may happen, yeah. I personally like to believe it was uh, Atlantis mixed with time travel. Mm. Um, I don't know about you, but that seems well, much more believable to me. Do you want to know what it is? What is it? Is this Tyrant's Theory Corner? Tyrant's Theory Corner Part 2. It's always aliens, 100% of the time. All right, here we go. <laughs> End of every episode, you except can't expand so on far. The, 
Alright, same aliens as Dave with the javelin. <laughs> yeah. Nah, yeah. you know what? Nah, tell me what happened with the Mongol invasion. What was the deal there? <laughs> Fuck, alright. Alright, let's, let's, let's go on this. For everyone that knows, Trust he doesn't about. make it up on the spot. He no, doesn't make it up no. on the spot. It's, it's pre-planned. This is all factual history. <laughs> Mongols are aliens. <laughs> For any Mongol listeners, yeah. Mongolian listeners, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, well, Mongol insulted I, a whole empire. No, okay, the Mongolian Empire was ruled by aliens. That's what I'm going with. All right, hear me out. They covered so much <laughs> land. It's only it's only plausible. It's, it only makes sense. I don't know how you could come to any other conclusion. But hear me out. Right? Yeah, Kublai Khan. Kublai Khan. I don't know. He's speaking to his alien overlords. They're like, yo, we want to, we want to do Japan. Like we've gotten all this other cool shit. We got, we're probably, oh, I wouldn't have elephants. Oh, they might have elephants. Yeah. They probably got elephants. They got elephants. They're like, I just want more. I just, I just want to get my greasy paws on more. They're like, all right, all right, hear me out. You go to Japan. But he fucking failed. Just shut up. Right. Give me a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't interrupt. Right. It's like when you have like a word limit and you're trying to reach it with fill in words. <laughs> Alright, so Overlord he's like, Yep, done. Go Japan. So they start going, they're like, I think I think we're doing the wrong thing here. The, Japan's kinda cool. You know? They got <laughs> you got Mount Fuji. They got um what's the pink flower called? Anime. Yeah, they got Cherry Blossom. Antai, I don't know. It's yep. probably around back then, I'd assume. They're like, oh, and then like then the Japanese gods come down. They're like, "Yo, fuck you guys. <laughs> Who do you think you are?" And this is like the this is like the point in time where they realize, "Yeah, nah, we're probably a bit out of element here." The Japanese yeah. gods are just like, "You know what? We're gonna fuck you up. Fuck you, typhoon, bang, wipes them all out." Alien overlords like, "Nah, nah, we can't deal with this. Done. We're going back for part two. Get every person we have, every male, get on a boat, go Japan." Japanese gods just, just go again. Yeah, they're just like. <laughs> Yeah, you don't Fuck know who you're messing you. with, you know. Fuck you. <laughs> Bang. They're like, yeah, right, calling it a day. Off our hands, let's just go sink more ships. And that's uh, that's Tyron's theory corner. <laughs> I mean, again, Tell me how much you hate say, it. I love it. Personally, I think it could easily be the plot of a movie. <laughs> what? Ja- <laughs> Japanese gods versus fucking Mongolian yeah. alien overlords. <laughs> What the fuck? We need to get the Sharknado director to do it too. <laughs> what we need to do is get you a theme for this, yeah. this Tyrant's Theory Corner. If anyone listening, feel free to make a like a little theme song, like a jingle for Tyrant's mm. Theory Corner. Or just tell me how much you hate cool. it. Just tell me to stop doing it. <laughs> yeah, tell us how much you want us to stop doing it. Uh, but yeah, that's... I tell you what, man, I could have easily done a part three on this, but I thought, you know what, yeah, it's probably time we let it go, yeah. But, you know, in a nutshell, that, well, not really a nutshell, took us two hours to get through it. That's the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, that's barely scratching the surface of it, too. Thoughts? I love it. It's interesting. It. Um, You can't really describe it. Like, you can, but you can't. Going into it, I had sort of a notion that it was going to be super paranormal and everything, but after the research, it's a lot of natural stuff that you could attribute it to. Mm. And it sort of like ruined it a bit for me. Yeah, it's just the same thing that kind of kills a lot of these like mysterious theories is that they're not happening anymore. Like they, they will happen. Yeah. Every so often, like you said, those kids in like 2017, I think, that just went missing. Was it 2017 well, I don't or ex- was it like 2020? When did you say that it was, was really recent. Yeah. Really recent. But like again, they didn't have any like navigational equipment. Yeah, it could have just, just been kids. two kids that just went out to sea and got lost. Like got hit by a hurricane and then dragged away by the Gulf Stream. Yeah, got hit by the Mongolian alien overlords. Atlanteans just came up and snatched them, yeah. you know? But like but yeah. There hasn't been that many like just massively just disappearances anymore. No, not really. And not really. Also, I remember hearing something, and you might have said this in the epi- first episode, that Bermuda gets as many dis- disappearances as pretty much anywhere else in the world oceans. 
Yeah, it's just the name that makes it mysterious, yeah. but it's pretty much got the same amount of catastrophes as anywhere else. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that typhoon thing in the Devil's Seas, kind of, the Devil's Triangle yeah. is sort of weird. That's one I can't explain. Like, it just, yeah. it's, it has to be a massive coincidence that just so I, happened I, to happen. Yeah, I thought it was so fascinating, too. Yeah, it's cool. And I looked Don't into fuck it. Yeah, with so the Japs. Cool. <laughs> nah. Nah, nah. Um, but yeah, I just before we finish though, I just want to give a couple of shout outs, um, specifically to Grishel BC. Grishel actually recommended us for Wet Wired's daily top podcast, which is super nice of him. Thank you. Yeah, specifically the Men in Black episode. Happy days. It's yeah. a good episode. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for that. Means a lot. But yeah, let us know what you think about the Bermuda Triangle. Hit us up on uh, Instagram. You'll find the link in the description. And yeah, you got anything else to add to this? Um, thank you everyone for listening. This will be we'll be coming up on our tenth episode pretty soon. Pretty exciting. Um, and we got some other cool things planned. Make sure to follow us on Patreon. We have an exclusive up there now. Uh, there will be like a little teaser of that posted on Spotify, so you can listen to that and choose if you really want to support us, which I would not blame you if you didn't want to, <laughs> did not want to. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you do like the channel, oh, the channel, the fucking podcast, then yeah, please do subscribe to us. The money will go towards funding the Yowie expedition, I suppose. I guess it will, yeah. yeah. All right, people. See you later.